Hey, this is Heather from the media team at Word Alive. This week, Kent spoke on Attend One, Serve One, the concept being that you attend one service and then volunteer to serve the next. You can be a part of our volunteer teams by attending Freedom Track, which is starting this Sunday on campus or through our online courses. I hope you enjoy this message. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a series here simply called The Big Picture. And over the next few weeks, hopefully, I'm going to be able to communicate you the big picture here at Word Alive, why and how church works. Now, it's important because the local church is actually God's idea. You know, I hear people talking about man-made religion. But in actuality, the church, the local church, is actually God's idea. In Matthew 16, Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, Jesus was saying, what I'm building in the earth will be so powerful that death, disease, destruction, poverty, lack, and all the forces of hell will not be able to come against the church when the church works. Now, I think we can all testify we've maybe been a part of a church that doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, it's tough, and I understand that. But, man, when a church does work, it's the hope of the world. It's the light of the world. It's the most powerful entity on earth for life change, transformation, and kingdom purposes to be fulfilled is the local church. And so over the next few weeks, we just simply want to take some time and just really dig down into the deep of really why and how does church work here? Now, I've asked some people to help me, and so I've got to do a, a, a bit of uh, a visual with you. And so Chris and Dean's helped me, and they're dressed in black like me. We're men in black today, and uh, we're rocking it for Jesus. Way to go, Christopher. And uh, you got size haircut. That's awesome. And there, there's Dean there. He, we call Dean the pirate prophet with the bandana there. He is a man of God. Go, Dean! And so uh, Dean actually has helped me build uh, this uh, contraption here that we're calling our whiteboard for today and got me a ladder. Thank you, Chris. And we wanted to make it tall enough so that you could see it, but I've got to jump on a ladder. And honestly, I'll just tell you, I'm a bit nervous. Uh, not that I'm scared of heights, but Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. And so uh, I don't know about, about up here, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. And then my writing's atrocious, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Here's our first thought I want to try to communicate to us, and that is simply this. What makes church work? We're saying number one is a 10-1 Serve one. Can you say that out loud with me? Attend one, serve one. That's what makes church work here at Word Alive. And we've got some little doodles down here. This is people kind of attending and worshiping. And then we've got some flying helicopters and planes, just our kind of concept of people going to work in the kingdom of God. So our first big thought here that we want to talk about is simply attend one, serve one. Attend one, serve one. Now, according to the professionals, church attendance is actually in decline. This is just pure statistics, and they give us some reasons why that church attendance is actually in decline. One, we have greater affluence. We have more money than we've ever had. Whether you believe it or not, we actually do. We are more affluent ever than we've ever been, especially in the United States of America. So we have more money. More money makes more options available. So we can travel. We've got technology. We can go different places. There's people today online in their pajamas, drinking hot cocoa, eating French toast, watching us here at Word Alive. Do you sense some jealousy inside of me? 
but that's just technology, and that's a good thing. Man, I'm glad they're tuning in. I'm glad they're able to watch. But it's because of affluence, we can do these kind of things. They can watch us, and we can send the signal because we've just got more stuff. we got more money, and that's a great thing. Second thing, you know, that uh, they say is actually causing less church attendance is a higher focus on kids' activities. And uh, that's just true. I mean, kid, my grandkids have their own calendar. You know, my, when I grew up, my mom's in the service day, we had, we had one activity— Go outside and play till it's dark, come in and eat and go to bed. That was our calendar of activities, right? I mean, that's just the way it was. You go outside, stay till dark. And then you say, and then come in, eat, go to bed. That was that was so we didn't have to schedule that very often, right? But kids today, man, I mean, got travel sports, we've got the sports now, baseball lasts all year round now in some places, we got travel sports, we got birthday parties are like the, man, big shenanigan thing. I mean, it's like huge birthday parties have become huge. When these are all good things, these aren't negative things, they're just true reasons why that schedules change and priorities kind of get challenged because there's just a lot more going on. And then, of course, we understand there's blended families. We know that there's single parents, there's blended families in so we don't, some families literally have to take some different weekends with their children, and we understand that, and so that makes it difficult to attend. The main one I want to focus on, though, is simply this, is a failure to see the direct benefit. That we just fail to, to believe and understand and really see the direct benefit of attending church. Well, let's go to the scriptures just a minute and see what they say about it. In Hebrews 10, 21 through 24, the CEV version says, We have a great high priest who is in charge of God's house. So let's come near God with pure hearts and a confidence that comes from having faith. Let's keep our hearts pure with consciences free from evil and our bodies washed with clean water. We must hold tightly to the hope that we say is ours. After all, we can trust the one who made this agreement with us. We should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We must keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord is coming and getting closer. Now, this is a very powerful scripture when you look at it and you see the benefits of church. First of all, it says we got a great high priest. His name is Jesus, so let's draw near. I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I feel closer to God than any other place I ever go. Even my own personal prayer time or even my own personal study time. Something about getting together with God's people and worshiping God. I don't know about you, but this morning when we sang Abba, I belong to you. Corporately, just there was a feeling inside of me that just reconnected me with God and his love and his purposes and his plans. And man, when M started singing, God doesn't give his heart in pieces. And you just realize he's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. You know, this presence and this worship just does something for me. And Paul said, this is part of coming to church together. And secondly, he said, let's keep our hearts pure. If we, if we understand preaching and teaching, the, the pure evidence of good preaching and teaching is it's continually washing us and cleansing us because we go out here and I promise you tomorrow and the next day we're going to get in a bunch of stuff. We're going to have a bunch of negative things that try to transpire around us and I don't know about you but when I get back in the presence of God with you and I hear the preaching and the teaching of the word of God it washes me. Jesus says you're clean because of the word that I spoke to you and kind of prepares me to go back and tackle another week and then it moves on and says so let's keep encouraging each other. 
Man, I can't tell you, there's not a Sunday that goes by that somebody doesn't shake my hand, hug my neck, say something kind and encouraging to me here at Word Alive. And I leave feeling better than when I came because somebody in the body of Christ took time to encourage me. And I know it happens to you. It may be a parking lot guy that gives you a big old hug or a smile or the greeter or somebody you know you run into that just says something encouraging to you. There's something powerful about encouraging each other because we all need it. And then the last point, it says the day of the Lord's coming closer. And one day says the great day of the Lord. And so if, if we really believe life's a gift and the gift is from God, then there will come a day that we'll stand before God and we'll give account of how do we live our life. And so church is designed to help us live life the way God created and designed us to live. That's the purpose of church. Now, uh, my mom's here today, and uh, I'll talk to you about family a minute because it says it was Jesus' tradition to go to the synagogue every Saturday. It was his tradition. See, there's some good traditions. And it was tradition in our home that we went to church. That was just the way we grew up. We went to church. And no matter what we did on Saturday, no matter what we did the rest of the week, on Sunday, we didn't go to just church just Sunday morning. We went Sunday night church too. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we went to church. And I'll tell you, church wasn't as much fun back then as it is now. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. But we, we were meant to go. I tell people I came to the Lord through a drug problem. My mom drug us to church every week. We had to go to church. And I know y'all don't like me talking about my brother Dan because he's a saint now, but he ain't always been a saint. And he used to party. And oh, Dan would party on the weekends. My sisters are saying amen over there. Dan would party. But no matter how late he stayed out partying, my dad going to make sure he got up and went to church Sunday morning. So no matter how sleepy he may have been or whatever, he's going to go to church on Sunday morning. And he said, why is that important? Because of that. I got my brother, my, my three sisters all here in service with me today. Now, me and my sisters and my brother, all five of us, we're all serving the Lord today. Come on, somebody. Not only are we serving the Lord, our children are serving the Lord. And we're praying our children's children are going to serve the Lord. And it comes out of a tradition. And that is attending church is important. Because what happens at church can transform or change our lives and have a major impact on the way we live. Let me show it to you real quick if I can. Guys, could y'all help me just another moment? Just have a little, another little illustration for you about attending church. It's, it's exciting to me keeping them busy today thank you guys <laughs> watch that curtain it'll fight you thank you very much I've, I've used this illustration years ago thank you I really appreciate it but this is important this is very very important hopefully you can see this everywhere this is a church chair and this is an office chair, and this is your cozy chair at home. Now, what's interesting is you'll spend an average of 112 hours a week at home. Now, I understand some of that sleeping and, uh, you know, some of that's uh, doing other family things, but I love home. This is awesome. I love my wife. I love being with my children. I love my grandchildren. I love surfing the channels. I love... <laughs> 
I love snacking. I love eating popcorn, watching football. I love wrestling, hanging out on the floor with the grandkids. Love bumping around. I just love home. Home's fun for me. I love going home. And so I'll spend about 112 hours a week at home. Because it's not all the hours of the week because I've got a job, like you've got a job. And, and uh, we'll spend about 40 hours a week, most of us on average, at work. Now, I like to work. Thank God for a job. Thank, you know, the Bible says if you don't, something like this says if you don't work, you don't eat, right? I mean, thank God we got jobs. And thank God we're healthy enough to work a job. And thank God that God's provided us employment. And this is very important. And we'll spend about 40 hours a week here at work. But then this is our church chair. This is a chair you're sitting in. And here we have the opportunity once a week to spend one hour in this chair. But I'm going to tell you what's powerful. This one hour can so drastically impact your life in this 40 hours and this 112 hours. You don't want to miss this hour each week here at Word of Life. Because I'm telling you, it'll make you a better husband. It'll make you a better father. It'll make you a better employee. It'll make you a better employer. Because you get in this one hour and you get that favor on you. And you show up to work and it's no longer you sweating. It's God's favor on you. And then you get at home and my Bible says something like this. A threefold core. You get God in your house. You got something going on now when you get God in your house. And so this one hour that we attend church drastically impacts the way we live life so we're simply saying attend one at least once a week or every other week or however convenient you can or however convenient you can find the time to be here attend a service every week if you can touch two or three people and tell them attend one attend one come on tell them attend one I, I might go ahead and draw that this is attending I'm just doing that because I can yeah but we also know it's important not only to attend, right? But we also know for church to work. I, I, I kind of coined this phrase, when, when church works, the church works. Let me go over here a minute. When church works, the church works. In other words, when church works, people are working in the church. Because we know, most of us, that when you have an experience with God or you start attending church, something inside of you begins to come alive that makes you want to serve other people. And so Jesus said something very interesting, or actually did something very interesting in John chapter 13. I, I pulled this scripture out between services because I just felt uh, such an unction on it. And this is a very familiar portion of scripture where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It actually says he picked up a towel. And so it says something like this. It says in verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose up or got out of his seat, you may say, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, poured water and washed the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel in which he was girded. Now here's what's powerful to me about this scripture. It says Jesus knowing he had come from the Father and was going to the Father. What am I saying? He got so secure in his identity. 
of who he was in God, he was willing to lay aside those things that was, that was actually rightfully his so that he could serve the disciples. You see, serving is not, a just, not just about getting things done around a church. Actually, what serving is, serving is the way you seek See, everybody wants to quote Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper you, right? Plans to prosper you and bless you and give you a good and expected future. But we miss the next verse which says, once you know this, then you will seek me. And when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Right, And so for Bev and I, when we first began this journey 33 or 35 years ago, attending church is the way we started. But then all of a sudden we felt God calling us to serve. So we started taking steps, not knowing what we were called to do, just knowing we were called to do something. And so we we had a revelation from God that the purposes and the plans and the gifts and the functions of God inside of us would only come alive when we begin to help because the Holy Spirit's called the helper. And so once we begin to help, and I'll just tell you, I've served in lots of different capacities in church. I've washed dishes at the pastor's luncheons. I've, I've ushered. I've uh, been a catcher. I've, I've greeted. I've, I've worked in the parking lot. I've done all that. And I'm not saying everything was my fit. I'm not saying I enjoyed everything I did, but in the journey of things I did, my gifts started coming alive inside of me, and I began to actually find out what I was actually called or designed to do. I preach all over the world by the grace of God, and with your help, you send me. And almost everywhere Bev and I go and preach, we ask this question, how many of you know what you're called to do? And what your purpose is. And in every situation, whether it's an arena or a conference or a church, less than 10%. Less than 10% of the body of Christ that we talk to actually can say what they're called to do, what their gift is, what their function is. Now, what's interesting is if we're a body and only 10% of us are fully functioning... That means we got a body with 90% not functioning. Now, how many of you realize your physical body, if you only had 10% functioning, you're not getting around very well? But I'm not focused on that this morning. What I'm excited about is think of all the great things that have happened in the earth with only 10% of the body of Christ functioning. What in the world can happen if we move to 20 or 30 or 40 or 50% of the people in our own church find out exactly what you're called to do and what your purpose is and start walking in it? What in the world can God accomplish through me and you over the next few years if we find out what our place is in God and begin to serve in that capacity? I'm telling you, I believe one of the greatest moves of God we are ever seen is about to transpire as we begin to serve and find our place in God's kingdom. Amen? And so I have about three thoughts on this I'll share with you as we get, get to running here. Reasons people don't serve. One's just a tough one, and it's self-centeredness. Right? I mean, I love me. You love you, right? I mean, Self-centeredness. And that's okay to love ourselves, but Philippians 2, 4 says something like this. Don't be so obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. 
In other words, don't get so self-centered about church and being all about me and all about me receiving. Because if you, uh, we've traveled to Israel, and when we're in when Israel, we saw the uh, on Mount Hermon a stream begins to flow, and as it flows down down through the Jordan Valley, it just gets to rush and flows through the Sea of Galilee, which is full of life. Comes out of Galilee, full bore flowing the River Jordan, and I mean it's a massive uh, uh, stream of water with lots of life in it, and then it all dumps into the Dead Sea. And at the Dead Sea, there's no outlet. And everything there is dead. So if we're just receiving and we're never giving, then what happens? The purposes and plans of God begin to die in our life. But when we stay open-hearted and open-handed and open-minded to serve, there can be a flow of life as we lend helping hands to serve others. Two, quickly, materialism. Just pretty simple. Luke 16, 13 says you can't serve two masters. Can't serve God and, and, and money. And I think we can all agree at times we get so caught up with trying to uh, make a living and trying to gain more that we maybe let church and faith and God take a back seat to that. And, you know, we, we, we don't make that a top priority. And we kind of let making money in our careers and our businesses and whatever kind of take over parts of our lives and not realize how important a priority is into serving others. And I know people that actually, when they go take a job, the first thing they ask is not, uh, can I, uh, how much money will I make? But their, their first point is, can I be off on Sunday? Because they, amen, because they, because they want, I like a strong, you're a deep voiced man. You don't sing bass, amen. And then uh, it's, it's, amen, it scared me the first time, but I'm glad you encourage, you encourage, you encourage me. You're encouraging me. You saw I came over to this side of the room, right? No, I'm just teasing. And I'm not condemning those who work on Sunday at all. I'm just saying some people make that a priority. And say that because they understand the importance of it, realizing God will make a way. See, it says something like this, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added unto you. Three, and I think this is the most important, perfectionism. Uh, we think that it will start serving when we get everything right. If we ever get mature enough, if we ever get our houses in order, if we ever get our lives in order, then we'll start serving in God's house. But how many of you realize that just never happens? You're never going to get everything in order. You're never going to be good enough. If that's true, I shouldn't be up here sharing today because I am far from perfect and far from good enough to be doing what I do. But I love this scripture in, uh, uh, in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we're like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. The real power comes from God and not from us. And so I understand a lot of people just the fear factor of saying, man, I don't really know if I could get involved in serving church because I just don't feel like I'm ready to serve. Well, I got good news. We have a process that will help get you the knowledge that you need. And then as you help, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do what you're called to do as you serve in church. And can you, can you dream with me just a minute? How powerful could it be when we really make attending church a priority in this year, 2017? And we come expecting every week for God to do something powerful. How awesome is it that because we exist as a body here in the last two weeks, two people aren't dying of cancer?
How powerful is that? I was touched deeply this morning, and you know, uh, Jared Isbell, he sidestaged this morning, and his dad, Brian, went to be with the Lord, a dear friend's hour this year, and we were singing early service, and, and I look back there at him, and him and his mom and brother, they've walked through this, you know, in the last few months with Brian going to be the Lord, they just come through the holiday season, and we're singing and worshiping, and Jared's over there, and he's just going for it, and he's just worshiping God and loving on God, and I thought, yeah, why is that possible? Because his family was a priority for Brian and Sandra. Church for the last 16 years that we're alive has been a priority. They attend and they serve and they give. And now what's the result? They face this challenge. And there their son is, 18 years old, totally sold out, totally on fire, totally going on to fulfill his purpose and his destiny. Why? When church works, the church works. And so Jesus felt like the church was so important in Revelations, it says he walked in the churches. And I've been looking at this intently over the last few weeks, and I found this scripture this week, and I think it's an important scripture for us as we look at 2017 to list our priorities, to say, okay, God, what's our priorities going to be this year? In Revelations, it says something like this in the CEV version, CV version. It says, I know everything you've done, and you're not cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other, but since you're lukewarm and either cold or hot, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, let me pause here a minute because I don't want you to get this bad impression of who God is. If you understand the context of this in this scripture, he's not talking about, I will spew you out of my mouth and be done with you. In that culture, really cold water was refreshing. That's what you quenched thirst with. Really hot water was medicinal. That's what you healed with. But lukewarm water wasn't useful. It wasn't useful for refreshing, and it wasn't useful for, for medicinal purposes, so it just wasn't useful. And so what Jesus is saying into the church, I'd rather you be hot or cold. And, you know, that, doesn't that make more sense? Because when I heard that, you saying Jesus wishes, you know, if you were talking about you're fire, on fire for God, surely he'd want you to be lukewarm, not cold. But he's saying, I want you to be useful for the kingdom purposes. You claim to be rich and successful and have everything you need. But you don't know how bad off you actually are. You're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And I just want to pause a minute just with you and I here today. I think we have to be careful because, especially in the nation we live in under the blessings that we enjoy. God said something like this. He said, when you live in houses that you didn't build and lands that you didn't buy and you're enjoying things that you didn't get, be careful that you don't forget me. Because I'm the one that gave it to you. And I'm not against the blessings of the Lord. I thank God for the blessing of the Lord in the nation that we live in. But we just can't forget where they come from. They come from God. And we can have all the material needs in the world. But if we're not spiritually connected with God and his purposes, God says, you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So he, so he encourages us, buy your gold from me, faith. The kind that's been refined in a fire that'll truly make you rich. Buy white clothes from me. Wear them and you can cover up your shameful nakedness. What's that? Righteousness. Buy medicine for your eyes so that you're able to see. What is that? The anointing. He said, I correct and discipline everybody I love. 
So make up your minds to turn away from your sins. Listen, I'm standing and knocking at your door. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come and we will eat or fellowship together. Everyone who wins the victory will sit with me on my throne just as I won the victory and sit with my father on his throne. If you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. And so I'm, I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit, hopefully, to ask you to consider this first step in making church work to attend one, serve one. Fortunately, at Word Alive, we have the great opportunity because we have two services. So you can come to one, you can serve one. I said this early service, we don't want you just attending because if you just attend, you'll blow up. What's that puffed up with knowledge but no action? But we also know if you don't attend and you just serve, you'll dry up. But we know if you attend and serve, you grow up. Because what's happening, you can sit here and you can hear about the love of God on Sunday. But if you serve, you'll get to apply it. Why? You will meet what I call EGR people. They're all in the body of Christ called extra grace required. These are people that will rub you the wrong way, that they'll punch the right buttons. But unless you get out in the mix and start serving, you'll never encounter these people and have the opportunity to apply the knowledge that we receive here on Sunday morning and really make church work. Because I'm telling you, we're about to see one of the greatest harvests we've ever seen. And let, let me just pause a minute. Look around you and see the church this morning. We've got a good crowd of people here on a New Year's Day service. But let me tell you, this ain't the harvest. This is the harvesters for the harvest that God's about to send to us as we move into this next year. I believe we're going to see one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit that we've ever seen. So I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit, hopefully, today, to ask you to simply take the next step. What is that? If you've never been to Freedom Track, that's our foundation of how to get involved here at Word Alive and how to connect to the life of freedom. It starts next Sunday at 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock. Next, start, next January 8th at 9 a.m., Classroom B. And you can sign up today in, in connection or you can go online and you can literally click the big picture and it'll take you to all the links necessary. But if you've already been to Freedom Track and you're currently attending Word Alive and, you're not, and you don't have a place to serve, I'm asking you, inviting you to join me in the connection right after the service. We've got a sheet that we've printed out. We want to meet you in the connection lounge, which tells you all the serving opportunities that are available. And there's a multitude, I don't have time to tell you all the list, but there's everything from prayer to care to share to food preparation to technical work to maintenance work to preaching to teach, on and on and on and on. There's so many opportunities. There's only a thousand things around here that need to get done that we need labors. Jesus said this. He said, look into the fields. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And I really believe that the difference between us and the harvest is not God doing something. It's us empowering the laborers, us together in the body of Christ, getting ready for what God wants to do in this season. So I'm going to encourage you, invite you to make this a priority in 2017. Join me into the connection and find out how you can get involved and how you can take a step, the next step, in serving here at Word Alive because I believe 2017 has some great things in store for us and God's going to bless us in a very significant way in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand up with me, will you? Woo, Jesus. If I could sing, I'd belt something out right now. <laughs> Bev said, that's never stopped you before. <laughs> if 
Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for the church. Father, I thank you every time I get here with your people, something happens inside of me. Something gets touched and changed and empowered and rearranged. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for connecting us to you in a significant way this year, not just by worshiping and attending church, but by really engaging and finding our purpose and our call and our destiny. Lord, we, we want to take our seat, but we also want to pick up our towel. And we want to be part of making disciples and causing your kingdom to expand and lives to be touched and changed in this season. And so, Lord, we just take this opportunity before we leave today just to, just to reconnect one more time with your purposes and your plans through worship. We just want to love on you and thank you and bless you. And, Lord, even in this song, I'm reminded of that prodigal road. Lord, it, you put a robe on us and a ring on our hand and called us in to be heirs, joint heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Not to just live a meaningless life, aimlessly in the kingdom but to be engaged with your purposes using your authority and your grace and your power to see purposes fulfilled so we bless you and we thank you for that today in Jesus name Lord give us the grace to take the next steps to engage with church and to cause church works to be a reality in our lives Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. For more sermons and content like this, visit wordalive.tv. Have a great week.